house. No, the right no, house. I did it. Get we want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada Water. From the director of Mrs. Doubtfire and the Academy Award-winning producer of Forrest Gump. You didn't ask me if I wanted a new mother. You didn't even ask me if I liked her. Comes a story. I never wanted to be a mom. And believe it or not, I am trying. About the tears that are inevitable. People make mistakes. Anna, you do not run out on your mother. No, that's your job. And the joy that is possible. And your whole life's happiness is wrapped up in you. You know every story, every wound. You'll learn. When two women share one family. Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that can't go to Vienna because we have to mind the shop. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we're here to perform the autopsy. I'm your host, Chris File, and I'm here, as always, with the guy I see who's in high school, and it has to be said, every time we talk about you, he laughs his ass off. Joe Reed! That, it has to be said, kills me every time I see that, because it is, it's so incredibly unnatural in any context that, like... It is the definitive Jenna Malone line reading. It's so, like, it's, and there's nothing she can do to save it. Like, it is, it's, it's awkward in its conception. I'm, that whole scene, which we'll definitely talk about, is, it defies all logic because, like, there's no way that gambit should work. And on a long enough timeline, she's going to get found out and she's going to be, like, a terrible high school scandal for, like, the rest of her days. Like, it's going to be – she's going to be the girl who hired a male model to pretend to be her boyfriend. And it's we'll, – we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. A male model who has a ponytail – we can't get into it. We can't, <laughs> no, we, we have to bring in our guest before we do this because like, yes, we have we do, to let because her because we all have to get into this yes. when we get into this. Yes. Uh, guys, we have another guest with us this week. We're very excited to have her. Uh, you know her as the co-host of Auto Straddle's new dating podcast. Wait, is this a date? Christina Tucker is here. Hooray. Hello, hello. I am so excited to talk about snow blowing. Question <laughs> mark. Am I excited? I'm actually kind of terrified about it. I, um, unfortunately have to out myself as the type of loser who doesn't know what snowblowing is. Like, I feel a little bit like, wait, am I not even cool for middle school when I watch that scene? Because I don't know what that is. I don't really want to know what it is. I always you... figured that they were just talking about snowballing, which like... Yes, that is what they are talking okay, about. Okay, okay, good. Because like, yes. but but Julia's character is so insistent that it's a real thing, that like I guess that's why she's a great actress because she just sold me on it. She just like, um, but right. I think I think that's what it is, and I think because it's a PG thirteen movie, I could even see it being a script note being like, we can say it's real, but it can't be the real thing. They can't be able to like go and like find out that this. I is mean, it is a, a thing. shocking thing for a middle schooler to know about or have done. Well, right, exactly. <laughs> but this is, comes like only a few years after Clerks, which were where that was like a major plot point. Yes, so, that's like, the only reason oh, I know what it is. Yes, that exactly. is absolutely the only reason I know what it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Ah, oh, guys, people so, are disgusting. Uh, 
<laughs> We're here I love to talk the hot about takes Stepmom, already. though. <laughs> Stepmom, a movie that we have threatened for a while to do. Not threatened. Like You've I know wanted to do this as a Christmas episode for a very long time. Mm. Which is the most one of the most arranged things that I have ever yes. tried to plan to do for us. Because... I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad someone said it. Now we said it. <laughs> but now we said it. I was like, no, we should save Mo- Stepmom for a Christmas movie. Like, we'll do it as a Lunatic. Christmas episode. And it's like, Christmas is ten minutes of this movie. Right. It is Ed Harris bringing her a Christmas tree. Her last ten minutes. Like, her last yeah. ten minutes basically Her last ten on minutes Earth. on Earth. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yes, this movie has a very strange relationship with telling us exactly how long Susan Sarandon is going to be alive. It's just like, I, I yes, but it is truly like the only thing Christmassy about it is sometimes on Christmas you discuss your own mortality. Um, right. New Christmas traditions born right here. On right. Stepmom. And then you but, buy your son a very impractical dove. I do like the fact that like Susan Sarandon, like, is part of the decision to get this kid a dove and then is like about to peace out because like it's that, her final fuck you to Julia Roberts. That, yeah, good <laughs> luck taking care of this unruly bird. Have a bird. By, <laughs> by the way, impractical dove, my new drag name. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so beautiful. Uh, this also, mo- yes. he gets this dove for Christmas. Where did the dog go? Julia Roberts has mm, already bought them a dog question. who mysteriously wow. disappears. That dog straight up disappears. I didn't even think about that. The, a dog that the daughter fully lies about being allergic to. And then, like, in the most diabolical scene in this entire movie, like, picks up and nuzzles that dog after telling Julia Roberts to go fuck herself, essentially. I was just like, ooh, like, you really are, you know, I don't Jenna Malone's character is uh, cruising for it this entire movie, I will say. Well... It has to be said, which is <laughs> the thing that we have to say whenever we're going to make a particular point throughout this entire episode. Right. It has yep. to be said. Absolutely. Um, Jenna Malone is an asshole in this movie. Yes. Yeah. She is. I and mean, then, that is what the script calls for, but yeah, she's, yeah. she's serving Totally. <laughs> Jenna Malone is good in this movie, but it is an insufferable child. This, this movie, the two children in this movie do present the two scenarios that are the reason why I would never want to be a parent. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Asshole and magician. Yeah, magicians are real bummer. You really hate to see that on a child. It's just... I'd be terrified to raise a magician. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, what? where had I gone wrong, you know? If I've raised a child who wants to be a magician, something's wrong. Liam Aiken's One of these character... Days, Liam Aiken is going to grow up to create his own in and of itself about his disappearing dog and his mother that died of cancer. <laughs> no, Liam Aiken stayed eight years old forever, I've, I've, I've decided. Um, his, his character... That character is... It's like, oh, he's like... The cute kid. He's like, that's sort of his existence in this family. It's just like, oh, he's so cute. And yet also, like, bound and determined to, like, one day just, like, disappear and never come back. Because, like, he keeps just, like, hiding himself. And he keeps, you know, running away. And at some point, you know, you're in the upside down. And it's never, you're never coming back again. (laughs) You're never coming back from the upside down. Yeah, that kid was annoying. I was like, I get that you're supposed to be cute, but you are driving me up the wall. Jumping out of the peanut butter cabinet? Like, come on, (laughs) kiddo. Oh my god. Yeah. It's it's probably eight in the morning. To get into, but before we, like, fully dive into the movie, Christina, we're so excited to have you here. I feel like you and I are constantly going back and forth about... Like actresses on Instagram. Yep. Um, 
cast a seat of Jones. Always. 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 Uh, always uh, when uh, the athleisure line came out, I, <laughs> I felt like I immediately, like... <laughs> got into your dms and i was like it's happening this is coming i mean the Um, fact that i don't own any casa zeta jones is truly a mistake of mine that should be rectified i am having uh my morning coffee which is not coffee zeta jones it's just regular coffee i ran out of that like 40 dollar coffee immediately (laughs) um but i do have my uh casa zeta jones uh coffee mug that i'm drinking it out of it is fully something you bought off of redbubble it is (laughs) um it's wonderful i love it but okay so i'm so excited to have you on because like in the type of things that we usually geek out about we haven't really talked like oscar stuff so we always when we bring a new guest on, we always talk like Oscar origins, what either made you first notice the Oscars or get obsessed about the Oscars if you love them. And I'm so fascinated to uh, hear what your answer for this would be. Well, you know, like many um, young lesbians of my generation, I saw the movie Chicago and was kind of in a chokehold from then on. Um, <laughs> speaking of the Casa, like, you, 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 yeah, che- spe- you checked in that very year and never checked out. We are long-term residents of the Casa. It is a, it's a long-term stay situation. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's a labor of love. Um, (laughs) I absolutely had a wall of photos of Catherine Zeta-Jones in my room as a child. I was very upset by my parents' insinuation that I might be gay, (laughs) uh, which, you know, fair point to them. Fair enough. It was at some point you do have to ask the question. Um, but so yeah, that was the first, uh, Oscar ceremony I really like remember with any real clarity. I remember how insanely pregnant she was. And I, of course, Sean Connery's Catherine, Catherine was um Catherine really the moment of that Oscars and then yeah I've just kind of signed up for everyone ever since I love the fashions I love seeing what the actresses are getting up to I love all of like the publicity and spectacle behind it it's all so very fun and I would love a return to normalcy for them hopefully in the future <laughs> yeah I think I think we can all agree with that holy god please <laughs> we will see what this year brings fingers crossed really yeah I love that you brought up that how like un unlike ruly in her pregnancy she was because like this was the year the years of Oscar uh where not just winners but nominees showed up to the Oscars super pregnant where it's yes. like you you guys didn't yeah. really have to do this to yourself you could have stayed home remember Marsha Gay Harden like, showing up to the Mystic fine. River Oscars which she was never going to win and it's just like Marsha <laughs> you are very pregnant like get off your feet hon Queen Marsha free hall pass to stay home right. but like Annette Benning mm-hmm. as well um, right always fun and then when Natalie she was pregnant oh, during yeah. both of her most recent Oscar runs, too. It felt like nostalgia. Oh, was she pregnant during the Jackie run? I didn't realize that. I don't think I she came remember. to that ceremony because I think she ah. either like had her baby right before the ceremony or right after. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. That but tracks. yeah, I don't think she was able to go, which is like, good. Everyone follow her lead. Right. If you are that pregnant, you are not obligated to show up. Right. Please right. take care of yourselves. Yeah, seriously. All that standing? My God. No. It does seem like a lot of standing. And also, I can't imagine those seats are all that comfortable comfortable and roomy you know what i mean like you're i don't know Not at all i don't know yeah 
That's a good point, though. That's a good remembrance for for Catherine, because yeah, not only was she super pregnant and like just showed up at the Oscars, she performed. If I'm not mistaken, she did. She mm-hmm. did perform. And I do remember seeing that and thinking, wow, this is something. And also, that lady is so pregnant. So pregnant. <laughs> God bless. That kid, God by the way, her. is like in grade school now, which is. Yeah, the age of her children actually makes me feel incredible. She's got a little Leah Macon of her own. remember like, when they were born. Yes. Like, I... <laughs> Oh, like the that full-on child that Marsha Gay was pregnant with at the Oscars, she took them to DragCon. Oh my god, <laughs> that's fantastic. But yeah, that whole generation, I get like occasionally obsessed with the fact that like this generation of celebrity children that are right now hitting their 20s, and I'm just like that is the gossip girl that I want to watch. That is yes. like I don't want to watch whatever gossip girl we actually got. I want to watch the gossip girl that is like uh the Witherspoon Philippi kids the uh Julia Roberts's kids, Angelina's kids, Surrey Cruz, Surrey, Surrey, Surrey Cruz. right, Surrey Cruz, um the the Stefani Rossdale kids, like who oh probably hate I their stepdad. I forgot about those kids. Right? They probably can't stand their stepdad and like oh, all of no those way kids. They like him. I want like that's put give me a show Give me uh, the hills with all of them and they can be as scripted as you want but whatever. I just want to like see what they're doing in in whatever i guess they're in college now they're all like 20 it's insane oh god yeah also just trademark that idea for you joe because that is going to make right? millions i think right it's what i want it's Get what we all deserve on board yeah exactly you know I that mean, julia's Reese's production comedy just sold for like what a close to a billion dollars it was valued at close to a billion dollars she can force her kids to go do it to make some more money why like, not she imagine she she's an american citizen she can do whatever she wants <laughs> <laughs> i always assumed that like julia's kids would be like a little standoffish of everybody else and like we're maybe homeschooled and like we're maybe whatever and then obviously like apple paltra martin is just an alien child you know what yeah, i mean they, just like, like all not of- from earth right yeah. exactly mm-hmm. And Maddox Jolie on like wheatgrass and <laughs> right. bee pollen. Or Maddox something. Jolie is the oldest of all of them, so he's just like impossibly cool. And like anytime he like says hello to, he's the hip host of the show. If this yeah. is like yes. a reality he competition, he's Jeff. Oh Probst. my god! Yes, he is, but cooler. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like super hot, super cool. Like everybody's like got some co- sort of you know polysexual crush on him. Like absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, like polycules in this show. Yes, for real. <laughs> One other thing I would say about like your introduction into Oscar mm. obsession is like you have one that like I think so many of us have like cringier first, you know, like Oscar introductions or first Oscar obsessions that like now it's just like if we'd known then. Um but yours stays unimpeachable. Unimpeachable. Yeah, absolutely. Still a banger of a film that I watch honestly at least two times a calendar year. You've got to get it in. Yeah. It's very Whatever it is that makes people keep like eye rolling or like underestimating Chicago. I don't know what it is because it feels like we should just all anyone who is still a holdout in like loving Chicago. And it's like, there was a point, especially in that season and the years after where it was like, not cool to like Chicago. Right. anymore. Chicago I feel like that's eroded away so mostly perfect. now. I feel like most people are on board. Yeah. I feel like it's having a Renaissance and everybody being like, no, we were right. That movie absolutely goes off. Like right. that was correct. Right. Harvey Weinstein be damned. We can still enjoy. This yeah. Movie. Yeah. 
Oh boy. Uh, truly be but, damned. Yes. Anyway, exactly. we're here to talk about Stepmom. Uh, so we always let our guests uh, pick the movie. What uh, What made chaos. Stepmom the one for you? Uh, Stepmom, I pick Stepmom because it is to me so much like that typical weepy, like attempt, try hard attempt for an Oscar. Um, and I honestly couldn't remember the last time I had seen it in full because it was so much like a movie that I associated with like coming home from swim practice at like on a Tuesday in the summer and it was like on TNT or something. Um, and I just, I really wanted to revisit it. And my only real memory of it is that my, it's one of the movies my mother makes fun of possibly the most for being <laughs> like, she would do that kind of like half collapse that Susan Sarandon does when she's leaving the kid's bedroom with her laundry basket, uh-huh, like uh-huh. just to make fun of it because like she just thought it was like so over the top. And I was like, was my mother right? Is this movie as over the top as she consistently insisted it was and yeah she was right um moms are right sometimes is what i learned by watching 1998 stepmom <laughs> an odd roundabout getting you're getting around to an appreciation of your mother by watching stepmom is exactly sometimes your mom is right about stepmom being bad <laughs> yeah it's like it wasn't as bad as i thought it would be but it no. was certainly not good <laughs> It's an interesting mixture, I feel like, because yeah. like there are there's a lot of this movie is essentially mugging you for tears. And like Chris can attest that mm-hmm. like I texted him at least three times yesterday being like, fuck this movie for making me cry because like I'm in a very fragile position after the last year and a half and I don't want to think about my mom dying. So like fuck you yeah. for that. But also there's interesting weirdness in a movie obviously the snow blowing scene is like very very (laughs) grateful for that but like there's even little stuff like when julia and susan's characters are backstage at the little thanksgiving pageant and like there's a lot of like interesting little comedy where all of a sudden like they're having this conversation about anna and this boy that she's seeing and and it's we're sort of supposed to be paying attention to the interaction between the two women and like as it's happening susan is like stage mothering uh, the kids and not that kind of stage mothering, I guess, but just like ma- stage managing this pageant and sort of like sending the kids out. And finally, Julia, after watching these, like, she's just like, what is this pageant? Like, as, and she's just like, oh, <laughs> yes. it's whatever. It's like, those are, it's a Thanksgiving pageant. Those are the Clintons. <laughs> like, it's fine. We're having dinner. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then the, the, the pilgrims shoot Leah Macon as the, as the turkey. And I was just like, okay, this is kind of like weirdly funny. And I'm wondering like what version of the script this survived from, because this is one of those movies with like five screenwriters and clearly this went through. When the screenwriting credit comes in the opening credits, it fills the fucking frame of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, one of my notes was absolutely like, what is the absolute deal with the screenplay? Like, what happened here? And all of the reviews are like, this Frankenstein script that this movie comes from. Well, what happened? And the production history of this movie is essentially like, because both Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon are producers on this. This is, I think, the only movie that julia roberts has a producer credit on that she starred in she has like a producer credit on like kit kittridge and american girl and like a couple other things and then she was a producer on homecoming which was her tv show but this was like her first producer credit and you could you watch her in a little bit in interviews which i sort of dug up she's on like rosie o'donnell or whatever and it's like i don't think she enjoyed producing this movie and i i think that's probably a big reason why she stopped producing movies that she was in um, but she and Sarandon wanted a movie that they could make together because uh, they were friendly. And they, I think scripts with two female leads were probably hard to come by. So 
they found this one and there was a lot of obviously tinkering for a long time the movie was supposed to be titled Goodnight Moon. And I saw in another interview where like Julia Ugh. was still pissed that they couldn't get the rights to call it Goodnight Moon because of the book <laughs> that the, the, the people who held the copyright on the book were like, fuck you, you can't use this title. And so forever, Julia was like sort of grumbling and grousing about the movie being called Stepmom, which is funny because in the IMDb trivia, all of the other alternate titles that are not Goodnight Moon are stuff that centers Jackie's relationship with her kids. There's like, it was going to be mm. maybe Always Always, and it was going to maybe be... Which um, I laughed when I I'll see that. you in my yeah, dreams. Always Always is hilarious. Right. The, one of the corniest scenes in the movie, and they like picked the button of that scene for yeah. a title. It would have been... And it was also going to maybe wild. be I'll see you in my dreams, which is another corny scene, but also makes <laughs> me cry. Um, but like... So the the movie that the title that they went with actually is the one that centers Julia's character and sort of I have I have to imagine reflects a script revision that chose to yeah. more center her character. Um so it's kind of funny to me that like that's the one that she was sort of like angry about and didn't like that title. But I guess she had her heart set on Goodnight Moon. Um and then there was also the story that came out about the production where there had been a rumor that had been printed in EW that Julia and Susan were feuding on the set. And years Feud. and years and years later, Sarandon just like randomly tweets about it. And she's just like, hey, remember that there was that rumor that me and Julia were fighting on the set of Stepmom? Turns out I found out that that was my publicist who planted that rumor. <laughs> What the fuck? Yes. Somewhere Ryan Murphy is like taking notes. Right, right. That apparently... I mean, they were like friends though. Right. They wanted to work together. That's why they did this movie. Which granted, once you actually work with somebody, it yeah, could be entirely different. But but yeah, apparently, because she was just like the whole... She's like the old rule is if it's a if it's a male-female co-stars, the rumor is that they're fucking. And if it's female-female co-stars, the rumor is that they're feuding. And that's apparently what my publicist wanted to put out into the world to like gin up interest in this movie, which is so fucked. But like, yeah. Wow. In order to gin up my interest in this movie, you should have just switched those. If it's a female-female co-star, they're fucking. That's what Julia said in an interview. That's so funny. (laughs) Julia Julia commented that very thing. She's like, it would have been a lot more interesting if that would have been the rumor. (laughs) See, as as always, Julia Roberts and I on the same page. I always said that about Julia and I. Yes. (laughs) Classic, classic same page. Classic me and Julia. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we jump into the plot description and then we can actually, you know, talk about the finer points about this moment. And then we can uh, fully unpack uh, all of the many suitcases in this movie, (laughs) um, including Ed Harris. We will get into Ed Harris. Um, But guys, we are here to talk about Stepmom, directed by Chris Columbus, our second Chris Columbus movie. Uh, written by the screen filling <laughs> uh, list of names Gigi Lavangi, uh, Jesse Nelson, Stephen Rogers, Karen Lee Hopkins, and Ronald Bass. What's funny about the screen credit thing is normally when you see that many, you will see like two, maybe three of the type of people that are just like studio writers. That, yeah. like, they Richard Legravenez or mm-hmm. Stephen Zalian. Right, the right. And the only like recognizable name, not to be a dick to any of those other writers, is Ron Bass. Yep. Right. Although Who, I feel what, like Gigi Levanti is a time where we talking about Ron of. Bass. Oh, we have recently, haven't we? I feel like that's that was a thing. Hold on. 
Anyway. Mm. Anyway, we'll figure it out. The film stars uh, Julia Roberts, Susan Sarandon, Ed Harris, Jenna Malone, Liam Aiken, and a really underutilized Lynn Whitfield. We gotta do better by Lynn Whitfield, you guys. <laughs> we simply have to as a community, as a nation. Lynn Whitfield fucking rules, and we have failed her so hard. Okay, we talk all the time about actresses being extra on uh, Instagram. You know who's wonderful on Instagram and like still looks utterly fabulous is like does Instagram well, Lynn Whitfield. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody go follow Lynn Whitfield. She well, I, it's so we also all talk a lot of the time about how um, character actresses or even just like, you know, just any actresses get siloed into thankless roles in movies as judges or as, you know, lawyers or whatever. And in this, like, like opposing, opposing lawyers, like a prosecutor kind of a role. And this one really reminds us that another underrated uh no man's land for an actor that you love is if they show up as an oncologist. Truly, like, yep. there should be a supercut of, like, great actors playing oncologists for, like, two scenes in movies. It is definitely a thing. I'm pretty sure the first word out of her mouth when she is on screen is chemotherapy. <laughs> yeah, I think it, that smash cut to her being in the office is just her saying chemotherapy. Oh, Gigi Lavangi, I just figured, I just saw, uh, wrote the novel that the starter wife was based on. So there's that. Okay. Ronald Bass wrote um, Entrapment, so he's a hero to me. Sure. Back to the casa, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a film that I know almost every line of dialogue for, which is disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) Entrapment rules, though. The thing about Entrapment is that it is fantastic and the culture needs to uh, re-embrace Entrapment. Oh, Ronald Possibly Bass the... also wrote My Best Friend's Wedding. So, like, I yes, give that's him... actually the big one. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. And I wonder if that was maybe a late, like, Julia was just like, let's bring this guy in to, like, put another pass on this because he wrote my last movie that was a big success. But uh, Stepmom opened Christmas Day for the whole family, um, which would feel more unwell if it didn't also open with Patch Adams. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, what a got, day. Got beat by Patch Adams. Got beat by Patch Adams. Oh, really? Which, that's my feeling about, like, the poor... I'm going to be the outlier because I think I think this is a better movie than you guys think it is. Um, but, like, the kind of meanness in the reviews for this movie, I'm like, you guys are seeing Patch Adams at the same time that you're seeing <laughs> well, the movie. They were also movie mean, a break? They were also mean to Patch Adams, like, to be fair. Like, Patch I mean, Adams, Patch Adams not deserves well it. Yeah. But it's... I, yeah, the thing Adams, that I find fascinating... Yikes is that in 1998, you could have an environment where two movies that were, like, movie stars that are going to try and make you cry in a movie are, like, open on the same day. There were that... On Christmas. That were, like, not action movies. They were not whatever. They were just, like, adult dramas. And there were enough of them that both of them opened on Christmas Day. And it's, it's you know, that's a different time. Yeah. If you... I'm just going to have... I'm just going to pull up that top ten... Before we get into the 60 oh, seconds, please plot do. Description. Thank you so much. <laughs> because, like, it is nothing like the type of Christmas that we have now at the Chris, movies. Chris, can like, I ask you? Can I ask you to not do that because it will spoil something from the Susan Sarandon quiz that I have planned? Mm. Oh, okay. Then I won't. Then okay. I won't. Okay. Um, we can after. Once we, get to, later. once we get to that point, we'll go into it because uh, it, it's okay. definitely okay. important. But okay. Wait. 
on that note, because, yes, this is also our sixth Susan Sarandon movie. She's joining the uh, Six Timers Club. First Ooh. time we've had a Six Timers quiz with a guest, I believe. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. Christina, you can partake. Yes, I'm excited. Okay. All right. So in that case, Christina, as the guest, you are charged with giving the 60-second plot description. Whew. Do you think you're ready? Yes, I've done my stretches. I've prepared. <laughs> I feel it's also not a ton of plot, so I do feel like I got off kind of easy on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's not one of the like procedural epic uh, Yeah, there's not like, doing. while this is happening, it's very, it, it is what... It's exactly what it says on the box, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Then in that case, Christina Tucker, your 60-second plot description of Stepmom starts now. Julia Roberts is Isabel Kelly, a fashion photographer who barely does any fashion photography when she is working. <laughs> it's very impressive. Who is freshly dating Ed Harris, uh, whose name is, I think, Luke. They have a staggering lack of chemistry, but they are apparently in love. And he has two children with his wife, uh, Jackie, his ex-wife, Jackie, played by Susan Sarandon, who don't like her. Jackie doesn't like her. The kids don't like her. They go back and 30 forth. 30 seconds. Back and forth and back and forth. And then suddenly Jackie has cancer everyone's bummed out but also she's learned that she must give her children up to this other woman because she's going to actually raise them and they have a touching 20 they have a touching moment at dinner and then it's Christmas and uh, I guess Susan Sarandon dies on Christmas day in the house and the movie is over now 10 seconds (laughs) well (laughs) the movie is over (laughs) okay yes it never says how much time she has to live. So it's like, is she dying today? It she really feels like, like she's, she's not literally about today. to die. I like, do appreciate that the movie ends without making us sort of go through the traditional like beaches ending. Not that I'm speaking right. an ill word about beaches, but like we don't you have to see won't. her like like just sort of her hand droop on an Adirondack chair and to know that she's gone. <laughs> and then like the sort of medium to long shot of everybody in black at the uh, at the gravesite, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. I was happy to not have that, at least. I liked the freeze frame of the two of them in the photograph, actually, at the end. In 1998, who would have sung the ballad that would have played over her funeral scene? Leanne Rimes. Leanne Rimes. Oh, Leanne Rimes. my God, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back in time and make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> the music in this movie, though is like really the John Williams score is I yeah. think 50% of the pro- maybe even more like I think the type of complaints people make about this movie and how like sappy it is I think if that score wasn't at fucking 11 all the time <laughs> yeah it would be a lot better but yeah, like he's really on one with that score <laughs> yeah obviously ain't no mountain high enough is like the leitmotif of this movie it comes up so many times including uh uh, the end credits. It's one of those rule of threes thing where it's just like, we've already mm-hmm. seen it twice. We know we're going to get it one more time. This movie had the, uh, the, the lip syncing scene with, with Jackie and her two kids in the bedroom, which is, you know, half sweet and half really embarrassing. Like I find that scene really, really cringy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I think like, I think in the, um, the great sort of, uh, you're one or the other. And I think you are either a, Ain't no mountain high enough in stepmom person or a lime in the coconut in practical magic person, and I am absolutely mm. the latter when it same. comes to absolutely same <laughs> when it comes to you know white 
women dancing uh, in a <laughs> in a musical context in 1998. So wow, title of my autobiography: <laughs> <laughs> White Women Dancing in a Musical Context in 1998. Absolutely, is 1998 also there's something about Mary because yes. there was this era yeah. where it was like Ooh, it earnest lip syncing to upbeat songs from the mid century. Right, build me a buttercup at the end credits of something about Mary is I imagine what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, this Ain't No Mountain High Enough was actually so, like, hard to watch because it yeah. was, like, quite embarrassing that I did have to go back and watch the end credits of Sister Act 2 just to, like, <laughs> put a better memory of that song. Like, don't ruin that song for me. It's Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Like, come on now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, I, I, I'm, there are parts of this movie I really do enjoy. That is not particularly one yeah. of them, even though it became, like, kind of the most celebrated scene from that movie it's the one that i think a lot of pe- people most remember it's interesting mm-hmm. christina that you mentioned the the lack of chemistry between julia roberts and ed harris because i definitely noticed and again i was watching julia in this rosie o'donnell show interview where she was promoting the movie and they were talking the clip that they had chosen was the this the ring on the string proposal moment <laughs> and it would be so annoyed apparently yeah he proposes to her referencing his past divorce yeah don't do that romantic yeah also he does the thing where he wakes her up in bed and he's just like i have a surprise for you but you have to be like awake for it and i'm just like she definitely thinks you're talking about your dick dude like don't like (laughs) (laughs) um but so apparently julia sort of um not necessarily like fought but like uh conceived of that scene or wanted to put that scene in and the subtext of what she was telling Rosie was just like we only have two real scenes of me and Ed Harris in this movie so I think she would you know talk about because mm. both the actresses have later in later years sort of talked about how that movie and the script for that movie wasn't what they wanted it to be and I think that was one of the things that Julia clearly was not super satisfied with was that they those two characters didn't have enough scenes together to sort of sell their marriage which I agree, but I also agree with you, Christina, that, like, I don't know if more scenes with them together would have helped. I don't think it would have, yeah, I think it might have done the exact opposite. Right, um, right, and maybe that's the why. the scenes he has with Susan are so good, and, like, you can, like, you feel that there's, like, a history yep. and a relationship there. Yep. And then every time, and I don't know, whenever he's with Julia, I was like, oh, okay. Her scenes with Ed, the kids, her scenes with the kids work, because, like, that chemistry mm-hmm. of, like, the unwanted stepmom, like, and, and yeah. her sort of growing closer eventually with Jenna Malone that all works and I think Julia is good in this movie but yeah the stuff with her and Ed Harris really puts you at a deficit to getting on board with this movie because you're just like why are they together why is she bothering staying with this man whose children (laughs) despise her and like is it like what's in this for her what the hell does he do in this movie besides bring susan sarandon a christmas tree at one point because he is my major problem with this movie not just the chemistry because like i needed one less scene I needed three less scenes because it happens three times in this movie of women telling him what a great father he is when he doesn't fucking do anything. Right. Yeah. I liked that he wasn't like an absolute asshole because I did think they were going to go that route and like have him be like some sort of like horrible dick. Um, But he's fine. He's just so like non-committally there. He's just like a guy who's around. (laughs) It's like, okay, he makes a lot of money. He makes enough money to have, you know, a, apartment on i think it's the upper east side or maybe it's the upper yeah. west side but like and also 
I don't know how much Jackie made as a book editor, but like she's not working now and she can still afford this house in Nyack. We've okay. got to talk about this house. <laughs> okay, so I said to Chris before you you hopped onto the call, Christina, I found the house. There was apparently uh, Oh, oh, I found the house. Cuz I was I was texting Chris. I was like, "Where does everybody live in this movie that Susan Sarandon can show up to pick up her kids to drive them to school, but clearly she lives in the burbs. She lives in in Nyack in Rockland County, which is, you know, whatever, uh adjacent to Westchester. How long of a drive is that from Manhattan? Regular. It's like an hour. On weekday morning traffic? Like, Jesus fucking Christ, moving, like, yeah. diagonal across town? Um, but, like, so apparently it went up for sale in July of last year for $3.5 million. Now, listen, it's six bedrooms. There are three of us it's on this huge. call. There's three of us on this call. If we can get, like, a handful of more people... Pool in whatever spare hundred thousand dollars you've got. Just like throw it onto the table. I say we all move there, and I we, say all we all have that. By the way, yeah, we absolutely. Okay. Just like scrounge out, shake out your your couch cushions or whatever. Um, no, it's one of those houses where like it's distractingly big and sort of just like this. And she lives in there. Like when her kids aren't there, it's just Jackie rattling around those those you know those rooms. I imagine dusting constantly because what else are you doing well, in a house and, of that size? And the way they like it. the iconography that they have with this woman to have her because like they do it in the script too, where Julia Roberts is like, You're Mother Earth, and it's just like, is she Mother Earth or does she just have like a lot of free time and money? Because like there's just there's the scenes where the biggest one for me was when Sarandon's riding horseback with the kids. And also My shading God, Julia for being a career. Like, she's just like, for some women like that, money, you know, money, I imagine, is very important. And I'm just like, bitch, you are on a horseback as Damn, you're actively on a horse. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? That was so crazy. Yeah, that is... I mean, everything about the house, I was just like, yeah. I need to know so much more about this. Because I saw the Hudson Valley poster and I was like, I am from the right. Hudson Valley. Where is this? Where is this house? I will find it. Yeah. And then, of course, it's in Ny- And then you're in Nyack. Like, I don't know. Right. I love the idea of pooling all our money. But I think the Moonstruck house is still up for sale. We could pool our oh, money. Oh, that's that better. House. Brooklyn Heights Shit. is better. Yeah. And they really did a really good job redoing it. It looks gorgeous. No. So I feel like we should. That's a constant dream. The scene also of Jackie... Uh, when Ed Harris shows up at one point and she's just like, she's watering the plants on the porch with a literal watering yes. can. And like, literally, as the son of a mother who has like insane hydra- hydrangea bushes around the front porch <laughs> of her house, like, my mom doesn't even do a watering can. Like, that was like, I don't know, I can't imagine the last time I actually had, saw somebody with an actual watering can, but like, good for you. I like think. an old school. Old yeah, school, just can. like, yeah, like where, what kind of like antique shop did you find that? It's so funny. I mean, for me, Joe, the question is this is yes. it the Manchester house from West Wing or is it the oh. Settlement House in Nyack? Oh, the Manchester house in West Wing. Because the Manchester house. That's really in the middle of nowhere, though. You are in. It really is. And New Hampshire is the reddest of New England states. So uh, I don't know, man. But like, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for bringing the West Wing into the conversation, Christina. I appreciate Uh, that. Literally always. (laughs) My observation about this house that she owns is that this is also another iconic use, and this happened a lot in the 90s, of explaining away 
any character's profession or wealth with they're a book editor. <laughs> yes. Yep. Absolutely. No further explanation needed. Never given. You never see them doing their job because movies don't know what that job is. No, it's the perfect vague white collar job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the, you, like you have an office in a high rise. Job. Like we can yep. give you that. That'll that'll work. Yeah, totally. It's also another good, it's a good job to have for somebody. It's just like, well, we're shooting this movie in New York City, so they have to have a job that would require them to be in New York City. Like, book editor is perfect for that. Like, yeah, absolutely. That's why everybody in also, 2010's movies works for a website, too. Because it's just like, oh, right. <laughs> like, it's a job that, you know, I mean, work in, in, in internet publishing. Okay. Well, and Christina, you brought this up in your 60-second plot description. Uh, Also, the 1998 cool version of it, because Julia Roberts has to be cooler. Mm, Anna, or not, Anna's the daughter. Um, Isabel is her name. Yes. Uh, Isabel is a fashion photographer who seemingly every, you know, shoot that she goes on, all three of them. I was addicted uh, to that. They're always done early. She gets it super fast. She knows what she's doing. That first one. Graphic design is her passion. (laughs) Oh my god. She's a Photoshop genius. Photographing the the craft services guy with the The model. The craft services guy with the model. (laughs) Which, like, she didn't, like, I get that, like, the ad campaign was for the suit company, so you had to put him in a suit, I guess, but just, like, he could not have been more art-directed for those scenes, too. It's so funny that just, like, it, it took me a second to realize that that wasn't the intent of the shoot, because I was just, like, no, I've seen this ad with just like the you know the schlubby guy. Yeah, with the... every guy, every man. But with I, my, my it's for Valentino. That's what it was. It was watching her triumphantly drag and drop the suit onto uh, him as, and then to like lean back. Who was like, "Well, I've created well, art." There are so <laughs> many scenes in this movie where she literally Adobe just like was a sponsor. She shows up onto the whatever set that they've set up. Which, first of all, there is one point where she is shooting on an actual movie set where they like have like like costumed extras and horse and buggy and whatever for again a fashion shoot like what the fuck is going on but she shows up she takes her little like digital nikon like sideways like snap 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 and is just like we got it gotta go and it's just like and it's 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 very like you know you love me kind of a thing to her to her uh boss or whatever it's so great it's so yeah i also i couldn't figure out like the the workflow of her job i was like do you work independent are you contracted with this company like right. how g- give me the details of how your day to day job is going right and now this man is saying he's going to fire you right in the I real world she, she would not be a full time employee like absolutely not she, she, she yeah these no. would be all contract work and yeah she does not have health insurance certainly right that's why she's with Ed Harris. No chemistry, but he's a lawyer with good health insurance. So, like, yeah. Is he a lawyer? I, I think assumed he's... he was a lawyer because it was 98 and he's a man who makes money. So I was like, he's a lawyer. <laughs> he mentioned yeah. something when he and, and Jackie are in the and the the meeting with Mary Louise Wilson in the school that, like, something, something mm. about a case. I'm waiting. That's why his beeper kept going off. Something, something about a case. Oh, yeah. So I figured he was a lawyer. Um. Oh, but we were mentioning the music and I sort of got, got away from it, talking about Ain't No Mountain High Enough. But, like... The music choices in this movie, 1998 was obviously a very in-between time for popular music because, like, in the <laughs> same movie, you have a music cue for When the Lights Go Out, which is by a boy band named Five, which was, like, this was oh, the very five. the very beginning of, like, Backstreet Boys in sync sort of yeah. culture. Um, so that made me laugh. But also, 98 being the moment where Pearl Jam was mainstream enough that it would be a reference, a plot point in a Julia Roberts, Susan Sarandon movie. <laughs> 
I was like, that's perfect time capsuling right there. Where like Pearl Jam was the acceptable thing where like if you are in a very square movie where you want to communicate coolness, like Pearl Jam is exactly the the choice for that. I thought that was so funny. Imagining Susan in a Pearl Jam concert context is so thrilling to me. I will say, I've watched this movie a few times now. I still gasp every time I realize that she snakes the Pearl Jam idea from Julia. I was like, it's that is... staggeringly rude. It is! It's amazing! It's fighting fire with fire. And I can't, like, I can't not respect it a little bit, but I'm just like, oh, that's so mean. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty mean to each other, like yeah. in a way that I was like, I don't know, I'm kind of into this. Like, it yes. is very fun to see women be this nasty to each other. Listen, on screen. give me two uh, two Oscar winning actresses. I know Julia hadn't won yet by this point, but like, just you know, the high caliber actresses going going at it with like pettiness. I was like, yeah, I'm into it. I'll yeah, do it. I mean, yeah. I appreciated that it is a constant like back and forth, and like there's a there's a growth and a progression to the times that they like each other. Yes. But even when they're and it's still not a straight line. Other, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like they are still even like shitty to each other throughout yeah. some of it because like it's never going to be believable, right? Even though like those situations exist, right? Um, of like it is you know all friendly or whatever, but like I do kind of hate the scene where she like calls her out for drinks which by the way uh julia roberts orders a double of straight patron <laughs> go off i did notice that i was like that is an in this waspy order. ass yes. restaurant that's all woodsy she's like give me tequila yeah Not but even then the, the whole Oof. The, like, monologuing of, like, I'm afraid that she's going to only want you, and then, like, she's, I'm afraid like she that... She won't want me. She won't, and it's like, okay, okay, thank you for your thesis statement. <laughs> I, I, I will say, some things in this movie did get me, and that did, I feel like that was, if you're gonna write a movie that's gonna mug you for tears, at least, like, write a good, you know, write it well, at least like that, and I thought that thing about, uh, about Anna on her wedding day, I was just like, yeah, you got me. You just got me. I'm sorry. Um, Sarandon at this point in her career is interesting. I sort of, we didn't, we didn't really talk about this too much in Moonlight, in our Moonlight Mile episode, but we talked about how she had three sort of mom roles in 2002 with uh, Moonlight Mile, Banger Sisters, and Igby Goes Down. And they're all sort of very different. But like, it's interesting that Susan Sarandon, who, Throughout the par- the portion of her career where she was sort of on her ascent, she was playing these sort of sexy, dangerous, independent women where it was like Bull Durham and Thelma and Louise and um, like even like, you know, Witches of Eastwick and stuff White like that. White Palace. Right, right. Oh, wow. And it's interesting yeah. <laughs> to me that when she f- sort of, she gets the Oscar nomination for Thelma and Louise, and she had already gotten one for Atlantic City in 1980. But this portion of the 90s, where like, she really succeeded a lot with these mother roles, with the exception of Dead Man Walking, mm. where she plays a nun and that's what gets her her Oscar. But like Lorenzo Zoyle, very intensely a mother role. Uh, Little Women, obviously, she's you know, you know, Marmy. Uh, the Client, where she's not, she's not a mom. But the fact that she's not a mom and she's sort of hurt, she becomes this sort of surrogate 
motherly figure to the Brad Renfro character is like a huge part of that movie. Um, and then stepmom, and then it's like anywhere but here, and then those three 2002 movies that I mentioned. And it's just like it's really interesting that like she sort of Hollywood evolved her into being this like ultimate mother when like for so long it was just like she really was kind of the opposite of that. And mm-hmm. and her star persona, like obviously she has kids and uh um but like her star persona isn't particularly motherly. She's had this really like, you know, spiky political uh persona. She and Tim Robbins were famously like never actually married. And um I don't know. I just find that a little fascinating. Yeah, I don't think of her as like ultimate mother, despite right. having recently watched the film Stepmom. Um, right, right. <laughs> wherein that is her whole goal. Um but yeah, I always think about the the political stuff and like, yeah, she's kinda spiky and like fiery. Right. Like, willing to say some shit. Right. Not always super likable, but like in a way that like I do often respect and <laughs> Yeah. Not always, but often. Um, and yeah, but so, well, I think some of it is like that spikiness and that like, maybe it's not spiky and like stepmom, but there is like a cutting layer that she's really good at playing in a way that even though she's playing all these moms, it doesn't really feel like she ultimately gives performances that are just like just a mom, you know, like so many movies do. I literally saw Speed Racer for the first time last night, where it's maybe (laughs) the only time where she is literally just a mom. Her character's name is Mom Racer, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, what a name. Yeah. Um, But, like, she gives, like, she's such an interesting performer that, like, when we think about her performances, like, we can, you know, list off a bunch of different characteristics, probably, before we just define it as a mom, the way that, like, lesser movies do. Right. Yeah. So this movie is our sixth Susan Sarandon movie uh, on this podcast. Uh, We have covered Anywhere But Here... Cloud Atlas, Alfie, The Death and Life of John F. Donovan, recently Moonlight Mile, and now Stepmom. We're on a bit of a Susan Sarandon kick at the moment. And when we hit our sixth movie with an actor or actress, they are uh, inducted into our Six Timers Club. And I make a little quiz to give to Chris and uh, Christina, since you are our guest here. You can also chime in if you know the answers, and you can... uh, you can show up Chris, which like who wouldn't want to do that? So that's I would love to do that. I don't believe that I have the ability, <laughs> but what I'm going to go for is at least pithy and fun. So we, you we, know. given this lineup of movies, we accept, yeah. this is the most unwell set of movies that we've done in a six times. <laughs> yeah, this isn't it's right. an odd it's an odd <laughs> mixture for sure. Um so the answers to uh, of these questions will be one or multiple of Anywhere But Here, Cloud Atlas, Alfie, Death and Life of John F. Donovan, Moonlight Mile, and Stepmom. All right. Are you guys ready? As ready yeah. as I'll ever be. Okay. Which of those films is the longest? Cloud Atlas. Yeah. That's, absolutely. That's not a hard one. Cloud Atlas at 172 glorious minutes. Uh, yes, the longest. 172 minute. years. <laughs> Which is the shortest? Alfie. Alfie. 105 oh, minutes. Yeah. Yes, very good. This one also seems like a gimme, but uh, I'll throw it out there. Which was the lowest rated on Rotten Tomatoes? 
Uh, uh, Death and Life of John F. Donovan. Death and Life of John F. Donovan, mm, 20%. Sure. Which was the highest rated on Rotten Tomatoes? Cloud Atlas? Cloud Atlas? Yep. Cloud Atlas, mm. 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> That's the highest that any of them got. Oof. All right. Which one made the most money in worldwide box office? Hmm. Stepmom. Stepmom. Yes. Stepmom made $159.7 million. Cloud Atlas is second and like makes Cloud Atlas made more money than you think it did. I will just say. I don't have the number in front of me, but more than globally, yeah. Yes, globally. Um which made the least money worldwide. This is not surprising. Death and Life Death of John of John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh that it got to three point three million worldwide is kind of a miracle uh, in and of itself. They have to pay those Florence and the Machine royalties <laughs> somehow. Oh my god. Listen. All right, Chris, you seem to enjoy these, so I'm going to throw this out again. Which film came out during Libra season? <laughs> Alfie. Alfie. No, not Alfie. Alfie Damn, missed it by a few days. Mm. Alfie's a um, Scorpio. Cloud Atlas. No, Cloud Atlas is Scorpio season. Yeah. <laughs> of course it um, is. Because that was a Halloween movie. Yeah. It's very spooky. And everyone shows up in a costume. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Um, I'm trying to think of the other. This is where I get to the point where I'm like, wait, what movies are we talking about? <laughs> yes, same. Uh, is it anywhere but here? Nope. That was like Thanksgiving. Okay. What does that leave? Oh, um, uh, 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 Moonlight Mile. Moonlight Mile. Moonlight Mile oh, came out on October 4th, 2002. So uh, it's, it's our Libra. Okay. It's our indecisive Libra. Yes. Uh, which were the only two of these films to not play the Toronto International Film Festival? Stepmom and Alfie. Stepmom and Alfie. Very good. Mm. Yes. Neither one of them played any festivals. All right. Which movie opened on the same day as The Faculty? Stepmom. Right. Okay. So here, Chris, talk about this. Oh, this talk is about our box, this box office, office time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I saw the faculty. My dad took me to see the faculty that Christmas day. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, what a great day. Wow. What a great dad Christmas day movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I. The faculty is the cool one on this yes. box office top 10. While oh, we boy. Take a little, uh, you know what we're doing? It's a game. Within a game. Oh, not a game within a game. Oh, the, I love the it. The layers, the layers. It's. It, it, I'm not going to make it be a game, but like, uh, you know. Yeah. Topical. Uh, Patch Adams is number one at the box office. What every family wants to say. <laughs> a harrowing indictment of America. Right. <laughs> um, Monica Potter killed by a stalker and, you know, uh, a clown doctor. Yes, that's what we all want. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman as a villain. Uh, Stepmom is number two. You know, because if Patch Adams is too much for you, you go to Stepmom. You go to Stepmom. Uh, number three actually is pretty cool. It's the second weekend of You've Got Mail. Sure. Mm, okay. Great movie. Another Classic. adult drama. Like, come on, guys. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> number four, probably the um, like the family movie, basically, because it's animated, though it was considered a bomb. Uh, I would actually defend this movie, though I haven't seen it probably in 20 years. The Prince of Egypt. Sure. Oh, it's a banger. Another movie I watch every I mean, year. It goes uh, absolutely off. When You Believe is, an, yeah. is enough. Hello? You know, there yeah, can it's a great be movie. miracles. When You Believe. <laughs> um, then it's The Faculty. Then it's Mighty Joe Young also opening on Christmas. Charlize Theron uh, early oh. film. Yeah. Yes. 
Then uh, we have uh, movies that have been playing for a few weeks. A Bug's Life, Star sure. Trek Insurrection, Enemy of the State, and Jack Frost. Oh, The Michael Jack Keaton, Frost. Jack Frost? Yeah. Wow. That's a Famous My Dead Dad Possesses a Snowman. A snowman. But it's nice, as movie. opposed to the horror movie Jack Frost, where a serial killer The one with possesses. Shannon Elizabeth? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Not that one. Yeah. Can we talk about The Faculty for a second, though? Which is like, talk about a movie that I will watch every year. Like, every Halloween, it'll end up on television and I will watch it. That is a film where the moral of the story is, everybody in high school should do a little bit of coke to make sure that they're not an alien. Like, that is... (laughs) That is the resolution. I'm always saying that. I have been on the record. (laughs) It's amazing. Like, that, that is a plot point in that movie. Also, that movie... God bless Robert Rodriguez, where he's just literally just like, I will cast the craziest roster of actors to play this faculty, where it's like... Is Clea th- Duvall in that movie? Clea Duvall's one like of the That is like the teams. crystallation of C- Clea Duvall's like, ethos. Clea Duvall yeah. is right. She's the alt-teen girl in that, who ends of course. up... She's like the Ali Sheedy in The Breakfast Club, and mm. Sean Hattesey is the Emilio Estevez in The Breakfast Club, and the two of them end up like together, which is cute. Also, Josh Hartnett has the wildest hair on any boy I ever wanted to make out with when I was in high school. Like, I like the degree to which I was swooning for Josh Hartnett is so funny considering what his hair looks like in that movie. It's so silly. It's so dumb. Um, but the faculty is Famke Jansen, Salma Hayek, John Stewart, Piper Laurie, BB Newworth, BB, uh, and Robert Patrick. Like, that's the faculty. It is. Fucking amazing. I love it so much. Go watch it, everybody. Yeah, I'm going to have to revisit that one. I have not seen it in a long time. Is Usher in that movie? Yes. Wow. Yeah. What a time. Uh, uh, Jordana Brewster is in that movie. Elijah Wood sure. is this, is the protagonist of that movie. Yeah, it's great. Super great. Wow. All right. We really need to go back to the energy of the late 90s horror movies where the poster is the cast standing in a triangle. Yes, it's true. The only acceptable shape for a horror movie poster. I love it. It really just comforts me in a way that yeah. like few posters can. It makes me believe in like whatever is the version of numerology that is about shapes and not numbers because it's just like, yeah, like there are... <laughs> It makes me believe. I guess feng shui, like something, like something where like the, yeah, sure, the alignment of, of things brings you brings you good energy. Yeah. All right. Hopping back into our Sarandon quiz, which of those six films had an original score bar by Mark Isham? Uh, 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 Moonlight Mile. Yes, Moonlight sure. Mile. Very yeah, good. definitely. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> All right. Which two of those movies feature stars of the movie Road to Perdition? Uh, Cloud, um, Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Yes. Um, and Alfie. And Alfie. No, Daniel Craig is not Alfie and Alfie. <laughs> no. Um, no, he is not. No, but who is? Oh, S- Susan. No. Who Wait, is Alfie? Wait, Jude Law. Jude Law. Yeah. Jude Law. Jude Law is in Road to Perdition. Jude Law's the uh, is oh yeah he's oh, the shit. he's the scumbum. He's in that. the murderous scumbum photographer in that. He's got a teeth thing going. He on. He really in that movie, does. Right? Yeah, it's not yeah. fun to look at his teeth in that movie. That's very mm-hmm. true. Oh, Everybody yeah, forgets that is like the most forgotten Jude Law movie. Jude Law role that was like prominent. Like he was like third lead of that movie. Anyway, he was built on the poster. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. Which two of those movies feature stars of Mary Riley? Mary Riley. Mary Riley. Mary Riley. 
Well, stepmom. Right. Julia Roberts. Which one has Malkovich? It's not Malkovich. Oh. Who the hell else is in Mary Riley? Mary Riley. It's also not Glenn who Close, is- who is also in Mary Riley. Um, how am I going to get you to the doorstep of this without... All right, let me just read you the cast of Mary Riley. Mary Riley. Um, <laughs> I love seeing that title. That For a movie that I've still never seen, I remember that TV commercial constantly that was everywhere. That was a, that was the shaky. That was the Julia Roberts era that she was emerging from when she was in the. When she was, all right, Julia Roberts, John Malkovich, George Cole, Michael Gambon, Glenn Close, Michael Sheen. Michael Gambon's in and, Death and Life of John F. Donovan right, as go. the death of John. Right. <laughs> He's some type of gay ghost. <laughs> he is a gay ghost. He's a gay ghost. That's a great energy for him, I feel. All right, last two questions. Which... Oh, wait, no. One more. Uh, th- Three questions. Which are the only two films of those six to be directed by Oscar-nominated uh, Oscar nominees? They weren't necessarily nominated for their directing, but they were Oscar nominees. Um... Not Brad Silberling, not Chris Columbus. Not Chris Columbus. <laughs> not Xavier Delon. So I'm gonna guess the Wachowskis. Wachowskis. Incorrect. Okay, so it's the other two. So it's Wayne Wang and who directed Alfie? I could have sworn Alfie just came from a fever dream. I'll say this, it's not Wayne Wang. Wayne Wang has never gotten an Oscar nomination. Huh. Is that not all six? Oh, so wait, Brad Silberling or Chris Columbus are Oscar nominees somehow. Right. One of those two. Chris Columbus? Chris Columbus got an Oscar nomination for producing The Help. Oh, I forgot he was a producer on The Damn Help. I maybe never knew that. (laughs) I'm going to slink away into some type of sewer and create a life for myself down there. (laughs) I did not need to know that Chris Columbus produced The Help, though it makes complete sense. Doesn't it just track so fully, though? (laughs) It fully does. Oh, my God. Okay, so Chris Columbus and whoever directed Alfie, who directed Alfie. I'll give you a couple seconds to think of it, and then I'll... Uh, I'll... Is it Roger Michel? It's not Roger Michel. Roger Michel is better than that sometimes. Um, it's Charles Shire, who... Oh! Yeah. Uh, famous ex-husband of Nancy Myers, who of the two of them were nominated together for the screenplay for Private Benjamin. Yep. All right. Last two questions. Which movie did The Atlantic's Christopher Orr call an eminently peculiar mismatch of substance and form like a Hallmark card written by David Foster Wallace? (laughs) Cloud Atlas? Cloud Atlas? That is Cloud Atlas. Very good. Very good. Uh, And last one. Which movie did Entertainment Weekly's Lisa Schwartzbaum call a lab-engineered weepy? Uh, stepmom. Yes, that is stepmom. <laughs> that is about the tamest Lisa Schwartzbaum uh-huh. burn I have ever heard. Uh-huh. Yeah, Lisa could be vicious. Uh, Lisa Schwartzbaum. Yeah, all the reviews of this movie pants. were vicious. Yeah, but all in that same kind of like. I do feel like there is a strain of movie that really sets film critics off, which are movies that elicit an emotional reaction that the critics feel like it they it didn't earn like it gets yeah. them so mad and sometimes i i'm i i do that too sometimes i'm just like how dare you make me cry my own tears like one of those things it's just like 
how dare you make me bleed my own blood? Um, but um, this movie doesn't quite. You know what movie does make me feel that way is the the Cameron Diaz movie where she has the two daughters, one of whom uh, is essentially exists to be a that's not oh my sister's daughter. keeper. Yes, my that sister's one. keeper. That yes, movie, based on the Jodie Picoult novel, sure, made course. me cry so hard, and I despised it for that. I was just like, "Fuck you for this! You are not good enough to elicit this reaction from me." And yet here I am. Um, yeah, it takes nothing for me to cry at a movie, too. So, like, I just. It's not something that I think is much of an achievement because, like, I am the easiest lay to cry at a movie. <laughs> but like, I think it, it. I think I guaranteed weeper. Exactly. It depends on what about a movie is making me cry. If a movie is making me cry for something that isn't like mugging me for tears, I will give it credit for that. You know what I mean? If really something moves me to that degree, to in an unexpected way, it's tough for me to give a movie like Stepmom credit for making me cry because it's just like, yeah, I have a mom. I don't want her to die of cancer. Like that's yeah. Not... I mean, the minute it starts, it's like, okay, I dare you to cry. Are right. you crying? Right. Are you crying? Right. Are you crying yet? <laughs> right. And so I like, think that okay. was a lot of the critical reaction to this movie. Um, yes, it did get a Golden I mean, Globe nomination. For it Susan. has Golden Globes Susan. written all over it. Yeah, uh, and uh, and this was the year where both Susan Sarandon and Meryl Streep were nominated for playing moms with terminal illnesses in. Uh, movies because this was Meryl's uh, one true thing year, and only one of the, I remember the narrative when it was leading up to the Oscar nominations, which was essentially just like there's only room on this ballot for one great actress playing a mom who's dying, and it's who's it going to be? And it ended up being Meryl getting the Oscar nomination. A movie that Renee Zellweger is way better than she is. Yeah, Renee's fantastic in that movie. Yeah, Renee's very good in that. Not to say that Meryl's bad in that movie. I don't think that's a bad Meryl nomination. No, I think that's a that's a Meryl nomination that sometimes gets sort of chalked up to the weepy thing or whatever, right? Like you know, mm-hmm. but like yeah. I think that's a I think that's a better movie than people give it credit for. It's not great, oh, totally. but like one true thing's not bad. Didn't somebody significant direct that? Not to say that you know if they're not mm. who I'm thinking, I'm pulling this up. Not to be like you're not significant. I want to say Carl oh, Franklin. Yeah, that's a Carl Franklin. Yeah, it movie. is Carl Franklin. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a shame that uh, movies for grownups was not happening in 1998 I know. because oh, what a what a movies for grownups stepmoms is. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting Golden Globes that lineup that that uh, Sarandon's in because I think everybody else she was nominated with got nominated for Oscar. Is nominated. Yeah. Right. It's it's everybody who was nominated, and then Gwyneth, and then Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, who was in mm, comedy, sure. right? This was Kate Blanchett's big breakthrough year for Elizabeth. Yep. She won the Drama Golden Globe. Um, Emily Watson for Hillary and Jackie, a movie I that is constantly on my like I should see that movie list, and I just yep. never have. Me too. If you can even, I don't even know how you would get a hold of that movie because I think maybe in the past twenty five years, if there is a movie that is an acting nominee that exists less than Hillary and Jackie does, yeah. I don't know. What <laughs> I don't is. know it. Yeah. Central also Station of. Yeah. Yes, I was about to say this. Mm. Fernando Montenegro in Central Station is amazing. Is Central Station one of those movies about like uh, a woman befriends a small child and like? Yes. Right. The movie's not as good as she is, but she is sensational. What was the Sophia Loren movie this year that was that? Um, 
Oh, that one. Uh, what was it EOC, called? EOC, the song uh, right. nominee. What was it called? Yeah. I can't remember the, the title. Life the... Ahead? Right. Yeah, Life Around the Bend. <laughs> <laughs> life inside, life at an angle. <laughs> yeah. Something adjacent to life. I don't know what it yeah. was. Central Station Fernando Montenegro was, was the... Uh, I remember Glenn Close on the Hillbilly Elegy Trail when they're asking her about, like, people. Of course, they have to be like, so you haven't won an Oscar because they're assholes. Um, <laughs> and they're like, she's like, I always think the people that don't win should win, like, even the woman in Central Station. And I was like, yes, talk about it, Glenn Close. <laughs> uh, that was oh, directed Glenn. by Walter. Uh... I always want to say Walter Salles, but it can't be Walter Salles because he's Brazilian. It's got to be Walter Sias, um, yep. who is a really good director and who's directed uh, a bunch of really interesting movies. So, like, that was probably – and also Dark Water. Remember Dark Water, the Jennifer Connelly movie? Yeah. Dark Water, that was about how terrifying oh. it is to to look for real estate in New York City. It's – uh, <laughs> I so was thinking you, of the other Dark Water where it's terrifying to cook things with Teflon. Also that. no. <laughs> Dark Water with Jennifer Connelly is the one where she's searching for an apartment in New York City and she has to move to Roosevelt Island. It's a remake. Uh, and then and and bad things happen on Roosevelt Island, as people know. Um, huh. And he also directed On the Road, which came up in our Garrett Headland uh, IMDb game recently. Jennifer Connelly. Absolutely. Love her. Uh, I know. I so I eternally want better for Jennifer Connelly. I feel like that's my thing I do with too. her. Yeah. I feel like she and Paul Bettany are having a great time. So at least there's that. That is true. Good for them. Who's going to bring the Jennifer Connelly like resurgence back, or like what would be good for Jennifer Connelly? Like, see, Dark Water was supposedly terrible, but like I feel like she could be like a Vera Farmiga. Wow, they're really good at horror movies. Yes, where's her Conjuring? She could. Yeah, give Jennifer Connelly her Conjuring. That would rule. I saw her and Paul Bettany once in real life, and I said, that woman looks like a shorter Demi Moore, and then I realized <laughs> it was Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> she and their whole family, all dressed in white. Very odd. Jennifer Connelly and Demi Moore are perfect. They are, like, the two, like, definitive dark-haired actresses, where it's just, like, you can't yeah. really... I know Demi, like, famously, like, went blonde for that movie, um... The Butcher's Wife, which did terribly, I and I, everybody it. was like, "It's only because she went blonde," and like people don't accept her as blonde. Like it's true. Like the, the both of them are just so like definitionally raven haired. It's so funny. Yes, as they should. Let's be. not forget that Jennifer Connelly went blonde for whatever happened to Virginia. Oh God, and we didn't. It when we did forget, movie, <laughs> we do exist. not remember. Oh, it's such a bummer that whenever now, now when I look up and see what's Jennifer Connelly doing, and it's Top Gun Maverick. Like God oh. damn it. Oh, you, oh, you hate to see that. She she deserves better, and also like she the does. Snowpiercer TV show that is supposedly terrible. Oh, yes, that's what she's in. Yeah, is that still running? Yes. Yeah. Bizarrely, somehow, yes. Crazy. Okay, so Susan is basically the like end of the road for this movie awards wise. I do think it's interesting because you know we talked about this as like a pairing for the two of them that mm-hmm. like they are kind of at transitional places of their career where Sarandon's starting to like be in all of these mom roles and like Julia Roberts is leading back up to right she's she's Oscar in a real sweet right spot in her career at this moment where 
things that that the sort of Mary Riley and Michael Collins I love trouble era where like she was really down and and it's we've talked about this before how time seemed to operate differently back then where like Julia Roberts's career had these like massive ups and massive downs and they all happened within a span of like 6 years where like she was riding super high from um pretty woman and sleeping with the enemy and then the tabloid stuff happened with her marriage and she left Kiefer Sutherland at the altar and like and then like post Pelican Brief. So like Pelican Brief is 93, only 3 years after Pretty Woman. And then after Pelican Brief, it's just like it falls off a cliff with like I Love Trouble, uh Mary Riley, Michael Collins, and again, Wait. it's like two and a half years of a career downswing and everybody was like Julia Roberts is over forget about it we've lost her she married this Lyle Lovett person what the fuck <laughs> like everybody had essentially she sings like, a Lyle Lovett song in she does Stepmom. she does she does the, the, she does yeah, indeed to, to uh, Liam Aiken when he's in the hospital um but it was so amazing to think of, like, that they were shoveling dirt. And then uh, uh, My Best Friend's Wedding happens in 97, and everybody's like, comeback of the decade. And just, like, she's back, everybody, and her hair is beautiful, and the smile. Our and we girl is here. And it's like, she's been away for, at most, like, less than a college term. Like, what in the world are you guys talking about? You guys are absolutely out of your minds. But this was a really great era for her where like 97 98 was like best friend's wedding stepmom notting hill runaway bride which made so much more money than you remember it like i don't remember a goddamn thing Mm -hmm. about that movie except her on the poster lacing up her like tennis shoes or whatever in the soundtrack yeah i feel like of that run that's the one i revisit the least yeah like all of the other ones i'm happy to go back to i can't get away from notting hill notting hill's on tv oh yeah constantly and Aaron yeah, Hill has a choke too. on a chokehold yeah. on me for sure. Right, that floppy Hugh Grant hair. Come yeah. on, and then it all leads up to Aaron Brockovich in two thousand, and it's like it's the most again like the not, the decade of the nineteen nineties, beginning with Pretty Woman and essentially ending with Aaron Brockovich ten years later, is like the most complete story of actress as celebrity ever. Where like it really tells yeah. exactly what the Hollywood churn was for an A-list of the A-list actress. Uh, it's it's really kind of remarkable. Fucked up in a lot of ways, but, like, remarkable. I do love that we let her come back, like, after My Best Friend's Wedding. Like, that was a movie that, even though she is kind of a miserable bitch in, yeah. in a way that I, I absolutely love. To um, the movie's benefit. But, like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to think that like both critics and audiences were like, yes, this is what we want, Julia. Like, thank you. Come right. back. Right. You're welcomed back into the fold. Right. Oh, I think like they were so happy that she was back in a romantic comedy again. They're like, are you not doing a historical sad movie? Like, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Good start. Very good. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. I know I glossed over Pret-a-Porter, and I know you hate when I gloss over Pret-a-Porter. Our 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 episode on Pret-a-Porter. That is, uh, I think we talked about it. That is the weirdest. Like Julia Roberts showed up for two days and went to a hotel room with Tim Robbins. I wonder if that's how she is friends with Susan. Saren. It's very possible. Mm. Yeah, very very. She possible. walked into the hotel room and there and there Susan was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Susan was the script supervisor on Pret-a-Porter. <laughs> glasses perched over her nose like well julia (laughs) bob says um we would be remiss 
in talking about the actresses of this movie to not have a conversation about Jenna Malone. Let's do that. Which, in my notes, I just wrote, Jenna Malone, question mark, exclamation point, Hunger Games, question mark, question mark, Ah! question mark. (laughs) Oh my god, Jenna Malone and the Hunger Games, I I remember so clearly, I, back when... No one had a better time doing the Hunger Games than Jenna Malone. Well, absolutely not. I was I'm surprised that there was ever a moment that I was invested in a Hunger Games casting, but I was because mm-hmm. uh, the character that she ended up playing, Joanna Mason, is like my favorite character from the Hunger Games. I fucking love. Yeah, her. she's an absolute icon. And I was and so it's casting too. I was so well at the moment. I didn't think so. I was really, really against the casting of Jenna Malone in that role because I thought she was too dour, and I wanted somebody who was more of a spark plug and it's funny now that i that when i say that i was riding hard for Haley bennett because then she would play in a bunch of like sort of downer roles later but Haley bennett was coming off of that greg Araki movie kaboom at the time and nobody knew who she was and she had so much personality in that and i was just like she would be great as joanna mason and nobody knew who the fuck she was so and then she they cast jenna malone and i was like very like on twitter being like really like just a gay bitch about it and i was just like jenna malone (laughs) and then i go and see (laughs) catching fire which is my favorite of the hunger games movies and she rules she's the best part of that movie she fucking rules she got grabbed that role by the throat this really great role and they don't she's not in the movie enough like one of the biggest problems with the hunger games franchise is that they like really didn't feature johanna enough and but she rules. And so I was worried writing for the Atlantic Wire at the time and had no oversight. So I was literally just like, I'm going to assign myself a mea culpa article where I literally just wrote, I was wrong about General Malone. And Dear Fire. General Malone, I'm sorry. Basically, that was the headline <laughs> of that movie. And she like tweeted it out. And I was just like, I deserve this. This is fine. Um, where she was just like, glad you came around or something like that. Or like, <laughs> And I was just like, yes, I deserve that. Because like, yeah, I fucked. She was great. She was great in that, mo- in that movie. But also, like, what is she up to now? Like, I feel I have not seen her since, but that... Basically, she's, like, within, uh, uh, like, Nick Reffin's wheelhouse. She did that show. Right. She was in The Neon Demon. She was kind of really fucking cool in that movie that I'm, like, what? I'm half in, half out with that very bizarre movie. But she does, like, small... Do you remember she uh, was in um, Inherent Vice, where she had those veneers, yeah. those, like, frightening oh, veneers, yeah. remember? There was that. She was in Nocturnal Animals, that h- horrid, horrid... I want to forget everything about that movie. I did forget for everything about that movie. <laughs> Amy Adams pr- pr- the, um, pronounces junk. She was, also- <laughs> she was supposed to be... <laughs> She's also apparently in that movie Antebellum that I did not see, because it... I won't. I simply, and... I simply chose life instead of that. Right. Uh, yep. No, thank you. Yeah. It's gonna be a hard pass. I imagine I could, I could probably guess what kind of character she played. Yeah. In Antebellum, but um, that was a movie where the first time I saw that trailer, I was like, I see what you are trying to do, and I think you are going to be bad at it, and I was very correct. It, uh, yeah, I was very relieved when all of the reviews started coming out. Yeah. I was like, no, you definitely don't have to see this. It's <laughs> yes. like, thank God. Because yeah. I will not cut out of Batman versus Superman, or like, was it that she was rumored to play a character like Robin or something in Batman versus Superman, and it that it turned out to not be true? Yeah, I, I remember there being like this hmm. huge speculation about her in Batman versus Superman, and then she's either 
not in it or like it's just something so on her i am or on her wikipedia filmography it says batman versus superman dawn of justice ultimate edition only so it seems like she must have filmed first of all asking me to figure out which are the which canonical Zack snyder editions of his movies like i life is far too short we are in the middle of a second wave of a pandemic and like who knows how much time i have left so i cannot waste it Figuring out Zack Snyder <laughs> shit. I'm sorry. She is now apparently in a TV show called Goliath, starring Billy Bob Thornton. Is which... that show still happening? Speaking of shows apparently that I do not it think... has four God. seasons. What the f- season four premiere on Friday, September 24th. So... Holy mackerel. That was one of those shows Jenna that like Billy Bob better. Thornton got a surprise Golden Globe. He maybe won the Golden Globe that year he for won, that show. Yeah. And I was like, that was one of those like globes are gonna globe thing where there's just like oh it's the newest show that like that nobody's watching but okay and that i can't i can't believe that it's still happening that's wild i can't believe amy brenneman's in this show <laughs> what is happening is am i in a different dimension like where am i wow good for amy brenneman wow. amy brenneman Go famous off, uh famously married to brad silberling who we talked about on my mouth my my kingdom to get Judging Amy streaming somewhere. Oh, is it not? Ooh, it's it not be. streaming anywhere. When I tell you when that show is streaming somewhere, I will quit every job I've ever had. I will take a sabbatical <laughs> and rewatch every second of Judging Amy. And then I will return to life. Um, also, apparently, according to Wikipedia, which I have just stopped having skepticism about, um, she was... On stage in Doubt at some point, playing Sister James. On oh, yes, she was the first replacement, I think, oh, for the role okay, that Amy Adams off. ends up playing in the in the movie, that's in the film. Amazing. Okay, yeah, she's probably more right for it than Amy Adams is. Yeah, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. She does project. She, oh, I mean, having been a child star, you know what I mean. Like she really does project. Mm-hmm. She, we bring a lot of that to her uh, she had just been in contact the year before stepmom which was like contact iconically in contact iconically Iconic contact <laughs> looking very very appropriate as a young jody foster in that movie like that, that was weird mirror shot that was one of those things where um she was perfectly cast as a young jody foster and then was it lily sobieski was cast as a young helen hunt in something or we all just was like we're like lily sobieski looks like a young helen hunt like yeah a- i mean lily lily sobieski is a young helen hunt right. so i don't know if it's like, like it's casting un- or it's just the uncanny. truth it's like it's shockingly uncanny yeah yeah general alone is great though like i think part of the reason why i hate this character in this movie so much <laughs> and why i'm like you are just the biggest asshole teenager ever is because jenna malone is actually giving a good performance oh she's putting her whole self into it but like yeah like she really fires you up in those scenes where you're just like you are just the meanest little child like she's so cruel she's the part where again i go back to the dog where julia gets them the dog which also impulse buying pets don't i mean that's why it had to be thrown idea. away i guess yes yeah, just did it got lost in central park and they did not find it like they, they found the kid and they were like we, we're gonna quit while we're ahead um but when she's like let's name it isabel because it smells and i'm allergic to it and i was just like you are mean and nasty i don't know and yeah, again it's just what is julia's character in this relationship for what what is she getting out of it I don't know. Getting nagged by a teen? It's like my worst nightmare. Right. Exactly. A teen who doesn't even know what snowblowing is. Hello. (laughs) Just like Chris. Right. 
I'm, I'm famously a teen. <laughs> famously our youthful correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> and now here to talk about the youth, Chris Vine. <laughs> What's on TikTok, Chris? <laughs> oh, man. Well, everyone. Today on TikTok, people are... Uh, <laughs> okay, so I, the latest headline that I saw... I am not on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I can't do TikTok. TikTok humor, I, I it feels like a true death of culture to me. <laughs> but the latest headline that I saw was that one of the latest TikTok trends are teenagers eating frozen honey so that they get diarrhea. Uh, uh, first of all, that's a waste of good honey. That's honey it, first, like one of the best absolutely. Sometimes sometimes it was enough to just watch MTV for an entire weekend. Sometimes that was Thank you. that was yeah. culture. Sometimes that was fun. That was culture. And we could handle it and it was cool and we didn't have diarrhea and that was great. I don't yeah, know guys. They, these kids should be watching I love the 90s and 80s like I was in my youth. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yes. Just a marathon of something on TV. Like yeah, absolutely. That was like when when those were running. I was like, "This is the goal. This is what I want from life. Right. It's I want still to be my goal. on a show like this. It still yes. kind of is the goal, yes. right? It's my only career um, goal. I just want to be a talking none head." None of those people were paid for that show. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but when we reboot it and we are get, and we are immediately asked to be on it, we will insist that we are paid. <laughs> yeah. Right. Poor Hal Sparks. I though. just was gonna say, poor Hal Sparks. That's so funny. <laughs> He is like him and Mo Rocca are like the two I it's remember. It's true. Mo Rocca at least shows up on Food Network every once in a while. So like good for yeah, him. Wasn't he doing like CBS This Morning for a while also? Yeah. I feel like every time I would visit my mother, I feel like every time I would visit my mother, <laughs> Sunday morning CBS in the morning comes on. I was like, oh, there's Mo Rocca. That's so Yeah, funny. I think it was Julie Klausner that one time was talking about those like best week ever. I love the 80s mm-hmm. things. That right. She was like, yeah, they wanted me to do it. Or maybe she did do it. And she's like, I wasn't paid. They didn't pay you. That's, That's crazy. There were so many of them. Yeah, they it's kept like rebooting two. it as different. That's what types VH1 of was for like three years. It was an incredible three years. I would love to go back to that. Yeah. Oh, I watched so much VH1, you guys. We can't get into it, but like I did. Wait. I also have to rescind my earlier comment that uh, uh, the Globe nomination for Sarandon was the end of the awards run because that's not true because the National Board of Review being the unwell organization that they are, <laughs> paired Ed Harris's supporting actor win with Stepmom. Sure. Huh. Do you um, do you remember, I'm going to tangent for a second, but I promise I'll bring it back. Do you remember a few years ago, Saturday Night Live had one of those song parodies where it was Kate McKinnon and A.D. Bryant and Emma Stone singing about the, the Christmas candle that you can just re-gift whenever yes. you want? And one of the lines in that is... But here's a warning When you give the candle That is all that you need Don't pair it with the lotion Or some lame little cream A lot of people think Two gifts are better than one But that just makes each gift Seem smaller and dumb So just give the candle That is what nominating Ed Harris for Stepmom along with The Truman Show does for The Truman Show. It disrespects The Truman Show as far as I'm concerned. It just makes it look smaller is and dumb. The Truman Show the candle or the cream? Which, oh, which is which? The Truman Show is the candle. It's good. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's, it's good and, yeah. and fine. Everyone likes a candle. Everyone um, likes a candle. Stepmom is a candle movie. Oh, Stepmom it is. is a it's very much a candle movie. It's such a fall movie, movie to yeah. me. Yes. 
yeah, almost even more so than a Christmas movie. Like it's definitely, yeah, like I definitely autumn, think it's, it's autumnal. Yeah, I mean, autumn in the Hudson Valley, it's it's yeah. the thing to do. Yes, exactly. Autumn when you're snapping a photo shoot in Central Park, even. Like, that's nice. Just one. Just take one photo. That's what you, need. you got it. You got All you gotta do is take one photo and lose one child. You've got your shot. And then her poor, like, zero lines assistant, who, like, has to, like, she's just like, here's the cards, I'll be back in an hour, or something like that. It was just like, he is doing work here yeah you are... if this movie had been made like three years later he would have just been like yes girl go on oh off. true <laughs> like, the he whole time true. Yeah. very true god he would have like, like and he would have like been a good sounding board that's the other thing is neither one of these women have friends in this movie and that to me is yes baffling because all you would be doing with your life is talking to your friends about what a bitch this other woman is being to you in this just, situation <laughs> My kingdom for one scene of Julia Roberts, like, you know, having her traditional double tequila with some friends at a bar. Right. Talking about this horrible woman. Julia Roberts would have been friends with Judy Greer or Mm -hmm. um, maybe Judy wasn't old enough uh, at that point. But like in 98, probably not Judy Greer. She's doing like Jawbreaker at that point. Right. Right. Um, What a movie. Who in 98? Like, I don't know. Debbie Mazar. Or they just or would have doubled like her coworker character to be a friend yeah. as well. No, Debbie Mazar was born for that role to be a to be a best friend to to somebody in that. And then like Susan also needed to have like a friend to go to her treatments with her and whatever. It's just like Yeah, somebody to drive her. See, what made sense about at least her character to me that we don't really see her with friends is what's reasonable or like what's realistic is her friends would have probably been other moms. Right. So like when she actually like needs them for an important thing, right. those people are probably busy with their kids. Well and she like, doesn't want at least let her see let us see her talk to another human being. And she's trying to keep yeah. the cancer secret for a while so I could see her like not wanting the mom, you know chain spreading right knowing about cancer right yeah also could have been a good of sorry go ahead christina oh no sorry uh yeah speaking of the disrespect of lynn whitfield when i saw her name pop up i assumed she would be a friend in some capacity to susan sarandon and i was like oh that'll be fun to watch and then i was like oh no she just has to seriously say chemotherapy right and seem sorry like that's a bummer lynn whitfield would have been a great friend character also i thought of for uh joan cusack could have been julia roberts's best friend in this movie that would have been she absolutely could have that would have been a great role for her all right wait can we talk about the blockbuster Uh, also rescinding i was gonna say that uh, rescinding my uh the other part of uh my poor comment was that this is a blockbuster entertainment award winner for julia roberts it's been a long time since we've talked about the blockbuster entertainment awards I mean, if we're being nostalgic, heard the word blockbuster. Yeah, <laughs> if we're being nostalgic for you know VH1 in the '90s, I'm certainly going to be nostalgic for blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. If I got sick of watching the Temptations movie on VH1, <laughs> I have to go to blockbuster. <laughs> Jackson's an American history, or whatever that that was called. That was also on a lot. It was on. Oh, all, yeah, God. those two movies. It was like, if my dad knows either of those movies are on, we have to watch them, and I cannot let him know that they are playing. <laughs> like, I don't have another four hours to watch the Temptations movie again. Oh my God! Also, Jenna Malone was nominated for a Blockbuster Entertainment Award. Wait, now I want to see who she lost to. She lost to Kathy Bates, right? Oh, for Primary Colors. Oh, I think so. I'm gonna pull this up again. I really if- wanted Kathy Bates to win that Oscar for Primary Colors. I was so sad when she didn't. I also wanted Ed Harris to no, win for the Kathy Show. Ba- no, 
Kathy Bates this year was a multiple Blockbuster Entertainment Award oh. for Supporting Actress winner. That's she our girl. She won the drama category for Primary Colors. Did she win the for The Waterboy? She won for The no. Waterboy. For Supporting Actress Comedy. The um, other nominee in Supporting Actress Drama is Laura Linney in The Truman Show. Uh, <laughs> oh. Cool nominee. Uh, yeah. I would quiz you on this, but you would never be able to guess. Kathy Bates's Supporting Actress and Comedy co-nominees are Kyla Pratt for Dr. Doolittle. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Lynn Shay for There's Something About Mary. Wow. That is the most 1998 sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Dr. Um, Doolittle. Can we talk about the the wisdom, the genius of the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards for Supporting Actress, Comedy Romance. So, romantic comedy, whatever. Sure. Uh, Jacqueline Oberdors is a nominee for Six Days, Seven Nights, whatever. That's not the point that I was trying to make. Also nominated. Wait, wait, time out. She's getting. the one who, <laughs> she's the one who David Schwimmer sort of ends up with when Anne Heche leaves him for Harrison Ford, I imagine. I guess. Sure. I guess. That sounds right. Right. She's like the sexy, she's like, she's the, the sexy girl on the island who like Harrison Ford is some, is somewhat dating and she like is totally cool with him going to Anne Heche because like whatever she doesn't have feelings and then and then she ends up with david schwimmer i i have watched six days seven nights a few times i'm just gonna say it <laughs> a few i love Anne Heche. i'm sorry in your day i do yeah. all right anyway continue. she's very good at tiktok is she I've really seen. <laughs> yeah amazing well that one thing that made its way onto twitter where she <laughs> mm-hmm. called out ellen because she was like, I was supposed to wear this, but Ellen said no. Ha! Yes. <laughs> anyway, the romantic comedy supporting actress, other nominee, Diane Weist for Practical Magic. Yes! The winner. Stalker Channing for Practical Magic. Holy shit. I'm fist pumping. I literally watched this... Practical Magic last weekend. I am <sighs> fist pumping. I love that they nominated them both. Have... I, I just, like, we need something equatable to the blockbuster entertainment awards because like we so rarely get an opportunity to talk about them on right but like we need we need something where stocker channing for practical magic can win a bullshit prize right exactly it should be winning every prize i wonder what gave her the edge over diane with voters like i would love to know probably that floppy character she's the yeah, the floppy hat. <laughs> I also, I mean, she's the bigger character of the two. Is she? I thought they were two pretty uh, evenly matched. I should watch. I, mean, I think Magic she gets the punchier line. She does. She's. I mean, she gets to be. St- she like. She gets to be more stalkerty right. than like right. Diane is very like the sweet Anne, and you know, right. causing trouble, stirring okay. stuff. Up. All right, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's just gonna give me an excuse to watch Practical Magic again, which I am yeah. appreciative of. Yeah. Do we have anything else we want to talk about with Stepmom before we move into the IMDb game? I think we went over everything that I had jotted down on my little list. Just like a lot of question marks about Ed Harris. Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> I did write down, uh, I, we talked about Pearl Jam, but the, the John Williams music cue when it reveals that Jackie stole uh, Isabel's idea for the Pearl Jam is so sinister. It's kind of amazing. It's so very, again, John Williams will not allow you to uh, 
not feel an emotion he hasn't laid out for you but he it's so funny it's just like this is so diabolical and it's like i agree you don't have to like lay it on so thick it's very funny <laughs> it's an act of war basically it really is yes that's all yeah. i got though everything else that's all i have i would just say even though all of the complaints i've made i stand by i do think this is a better movie than everyone else is saying i think if you can take out that john williams score it's already a way i don't hate this movie chris i really yeah, don't. i don't either i don't know just... no i know you guys don't hate it but like i think qualitatively yeah. it doesn't feel like i ironically think it's good wait like, here's a question like, for you chris the it... d- the relationship dynamic between the two women i think is really strong throughout i think it develops organically Chris, it does feel like you know different scenes were definitely written by different screenwriters. Yeah, or whatever. Is this your favorite Chris Columbus movie? Ooh, I love Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Oh right, same. Mrs. Doubtfire. That's same. a good point. Okay. Is this in your like top three Chris Columbus movies? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like my top three Chris Columbus movies. Are Mrs. Doubtfire a good call? Home Alone's probably my number one. And Adventures in Babysitting. Do love Adventures in Babysitting. I think Mrs. Doubtfire might edge out Home Alone for me. Yeah. I mean it's it's Same. a very early his early career definitely uh shows up a lot more. Sorry to sorry to Pixels. Sorry to this man. I mean the um, Sally Field alone of Mrs. Doubtfire. Absolutely. Oh, the whole time. Also, only one Christopher Columbus Christopher Columbus. <laughs> only one Chris Columbus movie has the Raptor rap. That's true. That's true. Rap. Goodbye. I sir. mean, only one Christopher Columbus movie has the phrase a drive-by fruiting. So <laughs> <laughs> Which could be a great subtitle for your podcast. <laughs> Just drive by fruiting. That's true. Oh. <laughs> uh, also, we shouldn't uh, let any Chris Columbus conversation pass without mentioning that his follow-up to Stepmom was, of course, Bicentennial Man, where uh, Robin Williams plays a, a android with human emotions, and, and Beth Davids uh, grows quite fond of him or something. I don't know. And then Celine Dion sings sure. a song that I love. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's the only all. thing I remember from that film. <laughs> Ironically, if M. Beth Davids from Old were on the Old Beach with Robin Williams from Bicentennial Man, he would not grow old because he is not human. So there. That somehow sounded like a word problem in like math class in middle school. <laughs> what did they need like, on the beach? Who wants old? to go to town with a guy on a rowboat to the beach that makes you old? Yeah. Who ages faster in this scenario? <laughs> <laughs> The other thing about Chris Columbus, because we didn't talk about Leah Macon, because why would you with this movie? Because he's just like the cute, weird magician kid who, like, you can never really tell how much he hates Julia Roberts. But he, I thought, wanted to initially cast him as Harry Potter. Leah Macon. Oh, really? And they were like, no, he has to be He has to be British. Yeah, he kind of definitively has to be British. Like, we're already in trouble for having you direct this movie when you're not British. Right, right. I mean, ultimately... Dan Radcliffe was a really good choice. Like that kid turned out to be, I think he's a really interesting actor as an adult. So I'm very happy with uh, how that turned out for Dan Radcliffe. Yeah, I bet he is too. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. This is piles of money. <laughs> yes. Did you know Liam Aiken was in the, the Emoji movie? 
Wait a second. Sorry. Did we know that he's in the I'm emoji sorry. movie? Because he was. We have to talk about the emoji movie. Um, well, we yeah, sure. <laughs> so That's now here's our section both. on the emoji movie. No. <laughs> yeah, sure. My feeling about the emoji movie is I only just found out that Mike White wrote the emoji movie. And Excuse now I me? Now I yeah. have to see it. Okay, I didn't know putting that. that on the to do list. All of a sudden, the emoji movie's got like a trenchant uh, social commentary. Liam Aiken, by the Probably. way, still looks incredibly young. Like, even now, like, you know, he was so 25 little. years later. Right, but just like he was so little, he's still not exactly, like, you know, he still doesn't look like an adult. He still looks like a teenager. That's crazy. All right, I'm done. Joe, would you like to explain what the IMDb game is to our listeners? I sure would. Every week we end our episodes with the IMDb game where we challenge each other with an actor or actress. We try to guess the top four titles that IMDb says they're most known for. If any of those titles are television, voice-only performances, or or non-acting credits, we mention that up front. After two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles release years as a clue, and if that is not enough, it becomes a free-for-all of hints. That is indeed the IMDb game. Sure is. So, Christina, as Mm -hmm. our guest, you have... Multiple decisions to make. Oh, you boy. You get to choose if you want to give or guess first, and then who you want to give or guess from. Okay. I will guess first, because I want to get it out of the way. I <laughs> am stressed out about it. You two are evil. Seela Ward will haunt me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Haunt you? I know. That's how strongly I felt about it, Chris. I wasn't even there, but I gasped. It was, it was an upsetting morning in my life. Um, and then who am I picking who's giving to me or am I picking who I'm giving to? Yes. Um, yes. Joe, what do you got for me? Oh, okay. So I followed the Chris Columbus rabbit hole down uh, a mm-hmm. few paths. We just mentioned Bicentennial Man, which stars uh, one uh, Robin Williams, the late Robin Williams. So, Christina, I am going to quiz you on the known for for Robin Williams, one of which is television interesting yes okay um is the television mork and mindy it is mork and mindy yeah that's wild that's really bonkers isn't it really for as much as tv does not show up generally on the imdb game that mork and mindy shows up for robin williams is very very strange for robin williams of all people yeah it has to be that, like, every photo that is tagged to Mork and Mindy has Robin Williams in it. So mm. it's like an SEO type of thing. This is also apparently the summer of us referencing Susan Sarandon and Pam Dauber in the same uh, episodes because uh, Mork and Mindy, a iconic Pam Dauber sitcom. So there. Absolutely. All right. Um, All right. Three films. Three films. I'm going to have to guess Mrs. Doubtfire. Correct, Mrs. Dunn. Thank God. I would have been very upset. <laughs> um, mm, now, now, I do want to say Aladdin because it is so iconic to me, but is it iconic to IMDb? Well, here's what I'll say. If there was a voice-only performance, I would have mentioned True, it. you would have mentioned it, which... So I'm going to okay, save you Okay, wait. Duh, Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting is there. Correct. A movie I watched chaotically after I watched Stepmom. Really interesting day I had. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Was I lightly hungover? Listen, who's to say? Who's to say? Um, Okay, wait. 
Oh, it has to be, what's it? Um, oh, Good Morning Vietnam. With a perfect score, Christina. Yes! Good Morning Vietnam wow. is correct. You got them all. Very good. That you, is thrilling. There's a lot of Robin Williams. Like, that is not easy. to get a perfect score. But, the, but for me, aside from Aladdin, those are like the three movies I associate with him. And yeah. I was haunted that Patch Adams was going to take the Good Morning Vietnam <laughs> slot. <laughs> I would have maybe guessed Patch Adams. I think I would have guessed Jumanji probably right off the bat, too. So very good. Good job. Mm. I would have guessed something bad is in there. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's a pretty good known for. That's yeah. a, no, Mork and Mindy is the head scratcher. Yeah, Mork and Mindy was the confusing the one. But yeah, yeah, that was really thrilling. Very good spectacular who do Thank you have you. for me i have for you i also went the chris columbus route and then i was you know weeding through every character actress that you guys have ever discussed which <laughs> is just so you know every single one of them um so then i went from one of those character actresses i went to an on-screen husband of said actress and that husband is oh. hugh laurie oh and there is okay. one television which has to be House. It is House. You are correct. Okay. Hugh Laurie. Yeah. What do I know him from for movies? Great question. <laughs> I would have thought, is it, is it just that he only plays House, or is there other TV shows that he's done? Well, he was he in that miniseries, The Night that Listener. That space thing. Or, not The Night Listener, The Night Manager, with uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston. That was very good. Okay, he wasn't the night manager. He was on Veep for a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought that would come. I was surprised to see that that didn't come up. Yeah. But he's in something like Trumbo that has like a huge cast of a lot of like people that you're like, I don't want to see this actor. Are you thinking (laughs) of Dumbo? Yes. He, I'm going to guess Dumbo. (laughs) You are incorrect. Okay. Um, I just said that because it oh, rhymes no, no, with no, Trumbo. No, no. I, was I, know, I know which one it is, and it's a recent movie, so I don't think it's there, but I can't think of anything else, so I have to guess it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in The Personal History of David Copperfield. Also not there. So now Ugh. you get years, if I remember correctly? Yes. Yes. Okay, so you have 2015, 2004, and 1996. 96? You are going to scream laugh. When you recall, or if you don't, when I tell you what that one is. Okay, so 96. This is like character actory role. I'm guessing it's something Oh, I just British? looked it up. I'm going to scream laugh, too. That's so funny. <laughs> huh. Is it? Is it like some type of period drama? It could be in some ways. It's a movie that became <laughs> relevant again this year because of a mm-hmm. major release. It, yes, it is that. There have been so many of those <laughs> major releases this year. Became relevant. So it's a remake. Or it has been remade. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It oh. is technically a remake, yes. Are we talking about Cruella? Is it 101 Dalmatians? It is 101 Dalmatians, the remake. Is he the, is he the, no, that's Jeff Daniels. He's one of the, one of the, the guys that she hires to One of her henchmen. Uh, okay. One of the goons. Okay. One of the goons. 
Fantastic. Good for you, Hugh Laurie. <laughs> I haven't seen... I should watch those, the Glenn Close ones again, because those are fun. Um, unlike Cruella. Um, Cruella's fun. Okay, what what were my other years again? 2015 and 2004. Mm. I will so, say the 2004 movie, I do not believe exists, <laughs> but here it is. <laughs> okay. So is that also some type of, like, British drama? I? The, uh, <laughs> 2004 movie, movie, they made a bunch of these kind of movies, I feel like, in the aughts, where it was like, a handful of recognizable actors who aren't necessarily huge stars, and there isn't some kind of like action predicament in a like. Oh, so it's an action movie. But, that makes sense why yeah. it doesn't exist. But it's in like, we're, like there were a lot of movies where they're just like all of this stuff, but it's in a desert. <laughs> okay, desert action movie. Is it Sahara? No, but it's the other movie that I think of when I think of Sahara. It was like Sahara and then this one. I feel like I twin in my mind. I have genuinely never heard of this movie until today when I looked at his IMDb. <laughs> it has a post Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings actress in it. It has mm-hmm. a... Uh... So Liv Tyler? No, the other one. No. <laughs> Miranda Otto. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're 50-50 on that one. So Yep. Um, um it has a famous uh former husband of a of an America's sweetheart. Who's Dennis Quaid. Yes. Mm-hmm. Flight of the Phoenix. Yes. Indeed. I hate you so much for making me think of Flight of the Phoenix. I, as you know, care about you deeply and respect you a lot. So I, I I love and respect you as well. Okay, 2015. 2015. This so was this a plot is twist for me also. Post House. This movie does exist, but yeah. like, but like also does it exist? <laughs> is how I feel about this one. Yeah, hugely respected director, sort of stepping yep. outside of his normal genre. Um, screenplay by is it like an action person made a drama? not quite no not really i would not say screenplay by a big tv guy who um jj abrams no but you're in you're in a you're in in the ballpark ballpark. yeah but who we like more than jj especially now damon lindelof there it is (laughs) damon lindelof has done a lot of movies and i don't think that hugh laurie is in like prometheus um 2015 Oh, is it Tomorrowland? It is Tomorrowland. A movie I have never seen. Me neither. And probably never will. It's it's <laughs> it's a movie that is not terrible, but is just like vaguely disappointing on all levels. Ah. Ah, yes. Yeah, it's, no one cared when that movie opened. Like it's not an interesting failure, as far as I'm concerned. I think other people might might actually call it an interesting failure. I just feel like it's just a deflated balloon, sadly. <laughs> Well, that's Hugh Laurie for you. (laughs) Poor Hugh Laurie. Um, He'll be fine with his Emmys. Yeah, unfortunately, not recognized for his great performance in Spice World. (gasps) Why didn't I guess Spice World? I know. I really was expecting Spice World to come up. I was quite disappointed to see it not. This is why you just don't use uh, songs in movies, because music rights are why Mm -hmm. we can't have a Blu-ray release 
or some type of restoration of Spice World. I had to pay $50 to get a DVD. I did the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Worth every penny. I I do want to clarify, because you did say Emmys, and I just want to say, because I looked it up, Hugh Laurie has been nominated for 10 Emmys and has lost every time. That is... It's astounding he did not get one. That's a bummer. Like everybody, every but year. That show was on Fox, and Fox never won Emmys. Every year for House, he got nominated, and everybody was like, "Is this the year?" And he won like a couple at least Golden Globes for it, but nope, no Emmys. Wow. All right. Yeah. So Joseph, for you, I went to those Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. The other actress who was nominated with Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon from Stepmom. Uh, is, again, another Primary Colors star. Cannot believe we have never done her before. I give uh, Emma Thompson. We've never done Emma Thompson. You've never done Emma Thompson? I don't know. Maybe it's like I never pulled her because other things were uh, more demonic for me to put against for you to guess. But here we are. Howard's End. No. What? Of all Sorry. the times I've declined to guess an Oscar win and it showed up there and now it doesn't. I, this game is cruel to me. Okay. Sense and Sensibility. Yes. Okay. Which that is her Oscar win that's on her nose. Right. Famously co-starred with Hugh Laurie. <laughs> Why didn't I guess Sense and Sensibility? Okay. Yeah, when you said 1996, even though it's not a 1996 movie, I was like, that was the first thing that came to my mind. It was like Sense and Sensibility. Anyway. Ugh, what a great movie. What a great movie. Okay, Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. One wrong guess, three to go. Right. Hmm. I mean, is it something sort of more mainstreamy? Is it like, I almost want to guess Nanny McPhee. I'm going to guess Nanny McPhee. Yes, I am. Incorrect. Not Nanny uh, McPhee. All right. So uh, we've got, uh, we've got a decade spanning each time. We've got 1993, 2003, and 2013. 93, 2003. All right, 2013 is Saving Mr. Banks. It is indeed Saving oh, Mr. Banks. Oh, sure, of course. What was the middle one? 03 and 93. O three is Love Actually. Yeah, it is indeed. Should love have actually. been an Oscar nomination for her. Oh God! And then so ninety three, she was nominated twice, and also was in Junior. And it would be the gag of all gags if she's on there for <laughs> Junior, but not the other two. But I'm going to say the remains of the day. The remains of the day. There right. it is. There if it was Junior, I would have screamed. Uh-huh. That would have been a plot twist. Yes, exactly. All right. All right. Relief. Guys, I think that's our episode. Christina, this was a complete blast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Truly the delight and honor of my life. Uh, Well, we we have to have you back at some point, too. So please come back to us. Pencil me Uh, in for whenever. I'm very free. Fabulous. Um, uh, if you want more This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Uh, Christina, please tell our lovely listeners where they can find more of you. You can find more of me on twitter.com, the website, at C underscore Grace T. And you can find my autostraddle podcast, Wait, Is This a Date, uh, wherever you get podcasts. I'm not the boss of you. Use whatever podcast s- subscriber you like. 
And uh, Joe, how about uh, you? Sure. I am on Twitter at Joe Reed, Reed spelled R-E-I-D. I am on Letterboxd as Joe Reed spelled that same way. And I am on Twitter and Letterboxd trying to finally find out what snowblowing is <laughs> at Chris V. File. That is F-E-I-L. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mebius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate, like, and review us on Spotify, the Horrible Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you find those podcasts. Five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcast visibility, so write us a nice review that says, Ain't no mountain high enough to keep us from you. Uh, that's all for this week, and we hope you'll be back next week for more buzz. Don't worry, baby. Just call my name.